In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. I was seven months pregnant and stabbed 27 times, and I survived. My story didn't end that frightful night. This attack on me physically and mentally lingered for years. I'm Amanda Bedard, and I'm Jane's life coach and co-host of Invisible Tears. Jane is ready to share her story, and not just about her attack, but her healing process afterwards. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hey, do you have trouble sleeping? Then maybe you should check out the Sleepy Podcast. It's a show where I read old books in the public domain to help you get to sleep. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of classic stories like A Tale of Two Cities, Pride and Prejudice, Winnie the Pooh, stories that are great for adults and kids alike. For years now, Sleepy has helped millions of people catch some much needed Z's, start their next day off fresh, and discover old books that they didn't know they loved. So, whether you have a tough time snoozing or you just like a good bedtime story, fluff up the cool side of your pillow and tune into Sleepy. Unless you're driving, then please don't listen to Sleepy. Find Sleepy on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes each week. Sweet dreams. Four most deadly assassin groups. Murder can be messy, but for assassin groups, they're just part of their everyday business. The next four on this list exemplify not only man's capacity to kill without regard, but also how it can be done efficiently and professionally. These are the four most deadly assassin groups. Number four, Werewolves of Hitler. Everybody knows things didn't end great for Hitler and the Nazis, but few people understand or are even aware of just how deeply entangled Hitler's evil insanity ran. At some point in running the Third Reich, Hitler created a special unit. Dubbed as the Werewolves, the group was composed of more than 5,000 young volunteers. These young men were members of the Hitler Youth and the Waffen-SS. In essence, they were a sleeper group organized in 1944 by Heinrich Himmler. Their main purpose was to remain in the territories that fell under Allied forces. If the werewolves were activated, they were to draw arms and weapons from pre-arranged caches and then proceed to ambush, assassinate, sabotage, and kill various British, Soviet, and American Allied leaders and groups. The name werewolves might seem like an odd one, but Hitler's regime had a strong affiliation with the supernatural and occult looking to those mythological monsters as protectors during times of stress. Primarily, they also took the name from a novel titled Der Werewolf by Harmon Lons. The story revolved around an ordinary peasant man who took vengeance into his own hands after foreign invaders pillaged and murdered his friends and family. 
No doubt the Nazis hoped the story would inspire their men to make revenge a reality. Even though much of the Allied forces eventually discovered the caches of weapons and arrested many belonging to the faction, there were times when the werewolves managed to carry out their mission. For instance, a band of teenage werewolves murdered the Allied-appointed mayor for the town of Aachen in March of 1945. This was done shortly after the Allied forces took over. As the war was nearing the end, the German strongholds began falling one by one. Nazi leaders established Radio Werewolf, issuing reports heralding people to rise against the Allies. Some of these reports were deemed fake, but other attacks, including the explosion on Bremen headquarters on June 5th, were attributed to the werewolves and other pro-Nazi holdouts. By the end of the war, the Allied forces detained tens of thousands of German soldiers, as well as civilians that were suspected of being insurgents. Most of them were kept captive under appalling conditions. Soviets also executed hundreds of young men that were believed to have been members of the werewolves, while others, close to 10,000 in total, were sent to gulags. Number 3. The Vaishakanya Translated to mean poison girl or poison damsel, the Vaishakanya were said to be young women used as assassins against powerful enemies. They would primarily kill their victims using poison, and it's said the group was started around 340 to 293 BC, where they were created by the first Indian emperor. The existence of the Vaishya Kanya is recorded in the Arthashastra, an early written record created on state affairs. In it, it says that the emperor was advised to keep a network of secret agents to monitor as well as manipulate enemies. The idea of creating female assassins in addition to the males was then born, since a female would be much less of a suspect and thus able to get close to the enemy. The Vaishakanya were women who possessed gorgeous beauty and youth, one that would rouse a potential enemy. At a young age, they would begin training. It's said that each girl was fed with a modulated diet of poison to ultimately make them immune to it. This would also render themselves deadly to any potential victims. This practice also would divert any suspicion from them since they could administer the toxin without any harm befalling themselves. It was so intense that most girls actually didn't survive the training period, but those that did were then sent out as courtesans. Because of the amount of poison already in their body, it's believed that any form of contact, particularly sexual, resulted in certain death. These assassins would often approach targets by seducing them and giving them poisoned alcohol. They would drink from the poison cup themselves, and when the target drank, they would receive a double dose of poison and die. Although the existence of the Vaishakanya is questioned by some people, saying the group was likely nothing but a work of fiction, many say this early group of women assassins did in fact exist. Number 2. The Nokmim Translated as the Avengers in Hebrew, the Nokmim were a militia group that made a name for themselves after they hunted down Nazis shortly after the Allies decided to allow most Nazi leaders to meld back into daily life without punishment. After the war, despite the Nuremberg trials, there were tens of thousands of Nazi Germans who went unpunished for their crimes and contributions to the atrocities of the Holocaust. This included those who manned the camps, those involved in the mobile killing units, guards, and more. The Allied forces simply couldn't chase them all down. 
It would mean arresting thousands of people, not to mention the majority of the male population in Germany during that time. In the end, save for some of the high-ranking officials who were officially identified, most were left to integrate back into society. It's unclear when exactly the Nokmem was formed, but many trace back their roots to the spring of 1945 in a forest in Bucharest. Led by the later uncrowned national poet of Israel, Abba Kovner, he addressed the survivors speaking passionately from Psalm 94, wherein God promised to seek vengeance against the enemies of Israel and repay them for their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. Kovner encouraged the survivors that if international justice would not do it for them, they would need to do it for themselves. The group was inconspicuous and not everyone who comprised it were Holocaust survivors. In fact, many believe the majority of the members were from the Jewish Brigade. This was a section of the British Army composed of Jewish volunteers from the UK, South Africa, and Palestine. They had access to military intelligence and transport, while also having the capacity to travel across post-war Europe. They were also skilled and incredibly discreet, managing to track down Nazi offenders and deliver their brand of justice. Beginning right after the war and spanning another 50 years, the Nokmen systematically hunted down high-ranking Nazi officials and SS men who were deemed guilty of their crimes. Although they were naturally secretive about the operations, they admit to posing as allied military police on occasion, then whisking away identified former SS men. Most of them were then strangled, while others were hanged and oftentimes their deaths were passed off as suicides. In several instances, the hangings would be done at garages where the victim would be hanged from a beam as they stood on top of the roof of a car. The car would then be driven away, leaving them swinging from the beam. There were also countless hit and runs and other mechanical failures, basically assassinations made to look like accidents. At least one man was killed in a hospital bed as he waited for a minor operation. He died when kerosene was somehow found in his bloodstream. The Nokmen were so efficient and relentless that they even tracked down escaped SS men as they made new lives in other countries decades after the war. In one story, they tracked down a man named Alexander Locke, who had moved to Winnipeg, Canada. Alexander was responsible for the deaths of 100,000 Jews in a concentration camp in Estonia. The men waited for his wife to leave before confronting him. Instead of killing him, they allowed him the option to commit suicide instead, which he did. They also didn't limit their revenge to individual kills, but in one instance conducted a large operation at Stalig 13. This was a detention center for former SS men in Nuremberg. The group planned on poisoning the prisoners using bread tainted with arsenic. On April 20, 1946, a story in the New York Times stated that approximately 1,900 German prisoners were poisoned with arsenic in their bread. Many became seriously ill. However, there were no exact figures as to the number of people killed. Some said it ranged somewhere between 200 and 300. Others mentioned more than 1,000. At some point, the Nokmem also planned mass killings, similar to the scale inflicted by the Germans to the Jews. This was dubbed as Plan A, whereas the bread poisoning was merely Plan B. The original thought was to poison the water supply and kill thousands of people. However, this never came to fruition, as Abba Kovner was arrested while on a ship bound for Europe, and he was carrying the poison. Today, the cause of the Nakmem still divides many people. Whether they were right in taking vengeance in their own hands or not, 
No doubt, they were one of the deadliest assassin groups to ever exist. Number 1. Murder, Inc. During the 1930s and 40s, organized crime was at an all-time high. Run by the Italian-American Mafia, Murder, Inc. was an enforcement group connected to organized crime running mainly in New York and elsewhere in America. Composed of Jewish gangsters and Italian-American individuals coming from the neighborhoods of Brooklyn, Ocean Hill, and East New York, the group was initially headed by Louis Lepke Bacalter, and then later on it was run by Albert the Mad Hatter Anastasia. Essentially, the group not only functioned under the direction of said mobsters, but also accepted contract killings from other mob bosses across the United States. It's believed that during their heyday, Murder, Inc. was responsible for an estimated 600 to 1,000 contract killings. They would use a variety of weapons, including ice picks. It really didn't matter as long as the murder sentence was carried out. They had several members, but the most prolific killer was identified to be Harry Pittsburgh Phil Strauss. It's believed that during his stint, he committed more than 100 murders all by himself, with some claiming he actually killed more than 500 people. Each assassin was on retainer and paid regular salaries along with commissions for each killing. If they were caught, the mob often made sure to get the best lawyers to help defend them. The group's main hideout was the Midnight Rose Candy Store, which was a 24-hour cafe and candy store located in Brooklyn. Inside, the place had several payphones, and the assassins simply waited for a ring from their clients about the next hit. One of their most famous murders included the killing of their own kind, Dutch Schultz. Schultz had wanted to have prosecutor Thomas Dewey killed because of his open defiance against the group. However, the rest of the commission felt that killing Dewey would bring way too much heat, hence the commission overruled. In anger, Schultz proclaimed he was going to kill Dewey himself. Other Murder, Inc. members then hunted down and killed Schultz along with several of his henchmen. Then there was the presence of Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. Bugsy is perhaps more known for eventually creating the Las Vegas Strip. However, he was a prolific mobster, also involved with Murder, Inc. early on. He was a notorious and unpredictable gangster. In fact, he earned the nickname Bugsy because it was a slang term that meant crazy. He actually hated the moniker himself, though, because he thought it made him seem reckless when he considered himself to be very smart and calculated. During his run, he became well known for his murderous capacities, good looks, and countless rackets. From casinos, murder for hire, to prostitution rings, Siegel was a force to be reckoned with. He even mingled with the Hollywood elite, being friends with actors such as Clark Gable and Cary Grant. Of course, he also devised an extortion ring around the movie studios by taking over local trade unions, including the Screen Actors Guild and Los Angeles Teamsters. He would order his unions to go on strike, forcing movie studios to pay him up if they wanted the union to start working again. In the end, however, Siegel was killed in his Beverly Hills home, murdered while sitting at the table reading the newspaper. Shots were fired from an MI carbine, hitting him multiple times, including twice in the head. No one was ever arrested for that crime, but eventually the law caught up with many of the gangsters involved in Murder, Inc., leading to its demise. There were a number of trials and indictments that forced mobsters to go into hiding and do their work in a much more secretive manner, one that still exists to this day. So they were the four most deadly assassin groups. 
Assassins and murderers for hire, you would think. Vast underworlds like this only exist in the world of John Wick, but often the truth can be stranger than fiction. In today's world, there's no telling just how many groups like this are still currently out there. If you like this video, then please remember to subscribe to our channel. Every Wednesday and Saturday, we have new videos coming out that we know you'll want to check out. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you soon.